Lord, that what we hear with our ears and pray with our lips, we may also believe in our hearts and practice in our lives. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. Okay, uh, I just want to finish up. Do you have a, I just want to finish up just this little bit that we did last time, and I know we did this other stuff, but um, frankly, I wanted to see how you'd react to it, because these just came in, and, you know, I was just curious, so. All right, um, you remember I was trying to convince you maybe that Luke 6 would be a good place to look at this, so if you just, um, I just want to do the last little bit, but listen from uh, Luke 6. You know, 39, 42. Um, he told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Won't they both fall, both fall into the pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully taught will be like his teacher. And then, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and don't see the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you do not see the log in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And then this last bit, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorns, grapes aren't picked from the bramble bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of a heart, the mouth speaks. So basically, if you want to change a person, you change a heart. And you remember, I won't uh, do a lot of this, but you remember last time we basically were talking about how temptation works and how to structure your own life. So, um, you know, your normal life kind of looks like this. You have these things where things go badly. And the key was to sort of interrupt, you know, here or here, and also to feel it coming so that when you, whatever, um, I can't remember what you gave me, but you gave me gossip. What else did you give me as big sin? Worry. That was good. What else? Control was one. You remember the other one? What was it? Manipulation. That's fine. Manny Petty. Okay, good. Right there. So, um, just seeing if you're paying attention. Uh, so, now, partly, um, in some sense, you're responsible for your own life. But in another sense, uh, one of the good things about the church is you're always trying to find people who can help you along the way. Um, that was, uh, you know, I did the funeral before for Buck Thorne, and um, John had requested uh, the song that we'd sung on the previous Sunday, which was a song about the Beatitudes, so I used that for the text, which is basically, uh, Buck was easy, because you're, I mean, when somebody lives in the church, that's the easiest thing in the world to do, a funeral for a guy who's lived in the church his whole life and done a great job with it, man or woman, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's, the difficulty is trying to figure out which thing you're going to say about him. But for him, it was easy to say. He was an old man. And a lot of people looked up to him. If you knew Buck at all, he was just a genuinely nice guy. And he was, he was, what, he, he was what he was, you know. Well, in a sense, that's just what the text says. You know, what the whole goal of life is to have your hand match your heart, match your lips. You know, that's what you're trying to do. And old people are supposed to help out younger people. And frankly... You should be proud of being 70 because part, and you have, it means you have a responsibility in the church. You have a responsibility to women who are, you know, 10 and 20 and 30 and 40. That's how the scriptures talk. You have a responsibility to them. So basically, you really need to get your own life in order so you can both be a model and maybe at some point a teacher. But um, we need to be a little bit careful about this. So look at number 12. We kind of, uh, this is on page 52. I just want to do these last couple with you. 
<coughs> you know, one of the things about a place like Wheaton is uh, the streets are filled with good advice. You know, everybody, what, what happens in a place, and maybe it's not just Wheaton, maybe it's other places too, but we have a lot of people around who are successful in their own venue. And, um, you know, there's often a lot of free advice floating around. I guess I just urge you to be a little bit careful with the common advice and maybe seek advice a little more from Jesus and then a little more from people who've grown up in Jesus. So number 12, it's dangerous for anyone to teach who's not first been trained in the practical life. So just pause there. That would mean you wouldn't be taking advice in the church from anybody who doesn't go to the Eucharist, say their prayers, read their Bible, live in mercy, give generously, and give a winsome witness. Now, not, we're all better and worse at some things, but you always strain advice. The very first way to strain advice is, is the advice from somebody who really does what they say. So are you taking your advice from somebody who, because you all get advice all day long, do you not? I mean, I'm always surprised the number of people given advice, whether they know anything about the topic or not. But the reality is, you only take advice from people who can do it, right? From people who can do it. So, you know, it's dangerous. And that's actually a real thing. It's dangerous for you to take advice, especially spiritual advice. You know, we're great spiritual do-it-ourselfers, which is, it's, it's, I understand, you know, about personal faith and, you know, nobody else is going to save me. Jesus is going to save me. And I understand about having a personal, but in the church at large, we I mean, there's a reason we're going to put up pictures of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because I hope s you'll grow up to be like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They weren't perfect, but they did give up everything for the church, and they went where they were sent, and they did what they were told. And that's really what your job is, too, to go where you're sent and do as you're, do as you're told. And I mean that because it's to your advantage because if you love your spouse and are you know, kind to your kids and are honest with your friends and are generous with your neighbors, that's the life that Jesus wants from you. So I, my, my, your practical thing is, you know, just, just strain the advice. For someone who owns a ruined house, receives guests there, harm is done because of the dilapidation of the dwelling. You fall through the floor, right? <coughs> you know? It's the same in the case of someone who has not first built an interior dwelling. An interior dwelling for them means it's dangerous for somebody who doesn't practice it. It's easy for people to, like I would, if I were king, I don't think you can talk in a voters' meeting unless you tithe, at least not to budgetary issues. Why? Because you haven't managed your own house, so why should you manage God's house? I mean, if I were king, there'd be, you know, if you didn't tithe, that doesn't mean you're a bad person, it just means you haven't come to the point in your life where you have honored the Lord with your first gifts. So you shouldn't be giving anybody else advice on how to spend money. If I were king, you wouldn't have a vote on the budget unless you yourself tithed. And I mean a real tithe, not like you know 25 cents a week. Because you haven't managed your own house, so you can't manage the collective house. You can't manage the Lord's house. Does that make sense? That's what this is talking about. Now, you, you can ignore this, and this is just a woman who's sitting out in the desert thinking about things, but she seems pretty sharp to me, right? You know, if you don't say your prayers, don't give people advice on how to pray. You know, if, if people don't come to church... Don't let him talk to you about, but, you know, the, it's, just, it's just easy. It's the same in the case of someone who's not first, first, 
It is the same in the case of someone who has not first built an interior dwelling. Loss is caused to those who come. If you follow a false teacher, every once in a while, you know what's interesting for me is every once in a while, uh, when I hear confessions, two things you should know about confessions. I try not to remember it, at least until you come back. In fact, one of the most painful things for me in confession is somebody will go and they'll come back six, six months later and they say, now as I was saying last time, and I'm like, I have no idea. In fact, I have no interest in storing that, and I can't even remember, as you were saying, last time. But one of, the, one of the most interesting things to me is when I'll spend time in confession, there's a point in the middle of confession where you basically talk to people the way you talk to them now, if they'll have it. Sometimes people are so nervous they just have to get out. But you can sort of talk to them and you say, and, it, and I never talk about the advice. I don't talk about the confession, nor do I talk about the advice that I give people because it's spiritual advice and it's meant for them. I'm always fascinated when that advice comes back to me in the grapevine. You told somebody to, and I'm thinking, that's very, very interesting. That's so interesting. One is because that means they don't trust the advice I've given them. They've got to go out and get a second opinion from somebody else who may or may not have their interior dwelling in shape. So if my opinion is just one among many opinions, there's just not that much. Now, if you'll go see Dr. Nagel to check my advice, or if you'd like to you know, pop over and see Bill Weinrich, hey, God bless you. They'll probably do better by you. But I would just, I would just be careful. What, see, one of the things about getting spiritual advice is, or spiritual care is there's no sort of force on you. You can sort of take it or leave it, right? Take it or leave it. There's no force. I can't make any of you do anything. It's like raising kids. You can't, you can't make your kids do anything. I mean, they're clean and brushed up till they go out the door. <laughs> but they may or may not be going where they say they're going, and they may or may not be with whom they're saying they're with, and they may or may not be doing what they told you they were doing. How the heck would you know? And frankly, if you try to chase your kids, that, that's a loser's game, you creepers. You mother, you Facebook creeper mothers. <laughs> what? What? Uh, no, I just saying. I just saying. You know, people are. Although I will say, you can learn a lot of stuff by creeping. I will. I. You can learn stuff. You, you know, it's like every kid. C kids can't tell the difference between you know their bedroom and their in their front yard on Facebook. They just put everything out there, and you're like, did you think nobody was going to see that? But that's a whole other issue, right? Idiots. So. Uh, I just am saying to you, you know, what you get, what you get from a pastor, what you get from somebody who's got some years in the church, you get a longer perspective, or you get a nourished perspective, you get an, you know, I mean, come on, you should be given advice, okay? I'm just telling you, I know you. Okay, good, it should. That's exactly the reason you should, that's exactly the reason you should be given it, because people who sort of spew the advice out all the time are exactly the people you don't want to, I used to, the people who have given me the most guidance, I beg for it from them. That's what I'm saying. Right. I'm only talking about the ask for advice. So, so here, part this whole section has been about how do you get just forgive this or hear it in the right way. How do you get better at being a Christian? That's what this section is about. So these women are out in the desert, and people say, you seem to understand something about what it is to be a Christian. For example, take the most extreme example. The strangest thing is when you have these sort of women or men, but were you doing women, women who were born to power and money. 
okay, who had everything. And in the ancient world, they had every, when you had everything, you had everything, and people who had nothing had nothing. And they give it up. They renounce their family, and they walk away, and they go live in, they go live in the desert somewhere. People say, I would like what she's got. Or I think, I, I think that what she's got is, must be more valuable than whatever she gave up. So, and you remember early on, I think it was the first day we read from this, or maybe it was a different week, maybe it was the week before, but do you remember when they said, when people come and ask, she used to say, one of the women would say, go ask somebody else. Or are you sure you, or, are you, sure you really want to hear what I've got to say? Right? You sure you really want to hear this? Which is, now think about how different that is from the church, because in the church, even think about how different that is from a sermon. In a sense, people are saying, would you come because they've come and they know there's going to be a sermon. But then people, you know, I mean, we all know this happens. You go home and have lunch and you dissect the sermon. Oh, I think he was right here. I didn't think I was right there. He should have said that better. I've never found that to be true. Here's the thing. The difference between that is maybe just go home and try it for a year and then see if it works, and then pass some judgment. Even in, even, in, even in Bible studies, even in there's often sort of a rush to judgment about is that true or not. Part of what you learn from this is you don't really know any answers until you've done it. So really, say your prayers for a couple of years before you sort of think about whether or not you should be tinkering with how your prayers are. Does that make sense? Just just get your catechism out and in the name of the Father, Son, when you wake up in the morning, make the sign of the cross, say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then, um, you know, read the Ten Commandments, say the creed, and if you want, say this little prayer, then go about your business. Do that every day, morning and evening, for about three years. Then we'll talk about prayers. And don't do anything else. Don't try to push beyond it. Don't forget about doing it. Just do that, and then we'll talk about it. Because you'll have a completely different perspective than somebody who comes and says, teach me about praying and then saying, oh, I don't think, I don't think that'll work. Or I, I don't like praying from a book. Or that's too much for me. Or, see? And part of the thing over the years, we've cheated ourselves out of, by not understanding that the Christian life is a rigorous life and that as soon as you start to do it, Satan comes at you with all he's got. And we have, as the catechism says, the devil, the world, and our flesh pressing against us. Part of what we fail to realize is we get talked out of the disciplines too quickly. Oh, I didn't think the pastor was right on that point. Or, you know, I, don't, I, I, you know, I can run a church better than anybody else can run a church. Or, or no, I'm not really going to do that. Or that doesn't seem like good advice to me. Or, yeah, I know I heard that in confession, but I'll get it someplace else. If you do that, here's the thing. Whatever you choose, that's what you get. That makes sense? Or I'll say it to you this way. The penalty for not listening is to remain the way you are. Okay? The penalty for not listening is to remain the way you are. So if your life is exactly how you want it, if your life is perfect just the way it is, listen to no one. But if there's any aspect in your life that you could improve on, if there's anything you want better, if there's any place where you could do better with your prayers, better with love, better with giving, then it might be good to listen and to do. And my, my advice to you is to attach yourself to somebody who actually has done it. Let's think about jumping out of a plane. By the way, I'm sure Sam Watts is okay. But two weeks ago on Sunday, Sam Watts, you know the Watts family? I said, how are you, how are you doing today? She's like, I'm a wreck. Sam, he's gone to the Airborne Rangers. I'm ju he's jumping out of the plane for the first time today. That was two weeks ago Sunday. I'm like, hey, 
It's not the first time anybody's ever jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. I'm sure he's going to be fine. <laughs> and we didn't hear anything, so he must be fine. He's fine. It all worked out. But, I mean, here's the thing. If you're jumping out of a plane, there's two kinds of people. There are people who have talked about jumping out of a plane, and there are people who have jumped out of a plane. You might want to find the person who's actually Just think it all the way through, okay? Uh, then just, um, there's not a lot of time left because we goofed around with other people, but that's actually actually okay. Um, maybe just flip over and let's do the one on the back. We'll do 24 just for fun. Um, I'll just say this to you. I'll do the last two, actually, 14 and 24. I'll get, here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but by coming to this Bible study, you kind of put a target on yourself. Look at this. Those who are great athletes must contend against the stronger enemies. So, so there's two ways. Um, I, now with Kathy Thorne sitting in the room, I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this, but there's, there's, a, there's a couple of ways you can coach a football team. One way you can coach a football team is you can find a team's weakness and you can decide whether you're going to, you know, exploit their weakness, hope their strength doesn't catch up. But there's, um, you know, other, other kinds of coaches who decide actually we'll destroy them at their strength and everything else will crumble, right? That was the Vince Lombardi way of doing things. You find their strongest point, you destroy them at their strongest point, and then everything else falls apart. Well, that's, that's this right here. Great athletes, and I'll just put you in that category because you show up on Fridays to get a little extra dose must contend against stronger enemies. Here's the thing. When you come here, when you pay attention, when you do give, when you are kind, when you study your scriptures, you make yourself um, a target. Yeah. I've said to you before, I think the greatest disservice the seminary did to me, maybe that's too strong. Let me say the thing that I was most unprepared for when I came out was the potency and, um, I was going to say repeatability, frequency, the potency and frequency of evil in a congregation. I was just completely unprepared for how active evil would be in any congregation in the church at large. Maybe that's because the seminary is a little bit sheltered. Maybe because you're idealistic when you're a kid. And then the great John Kleinig advice. <laughs> Satan is an idealist, but Jesus is a realist. See, that's why it's good to go to confession. Satan is an idealist, but Jesus is a realist. That's great pastoral advice. Satan is an idealist. So if, if you're an idealist in the church, and we think Jeanette should be perfect, then Jeanette's going to disappoint you. If you think your church upstairs is going to be perfect, if you, that's the Billy Graham thing. If you join the perfect church, you've just ruined it. Right? <laughs> if you think you joined the perfect church, you've just ruined it. Right? Because Satan is an idealist, but Jesus is a realist. Here's the realist. I'm going to sin. You're going to sin. I'm going to goof. You're going to goof. Things are going to rub. Things are going to feel bad. That's being a realist, okay? I also know I'm going to go to the Eucharist again and be forgiven. I'm going to get up tomorrow and try my best. I'm going to try to walk the way Jesus wants me to walk. I'm trying to do the things he asked me to do. I'm going to say my prayers just because he asked me to say my prayers. I'm going to give just because he asked me to give. And I'm going to come to church on Sunday because he's there and he asked me to come. Third commandment. Come on Sunday. I'll be there. You know? Well, you should know. I mean, the stronger you get, the more difficult it's going to become. Luther's great thing, he baptizes the child, and then he turns to the congregation kind of spontaneously and says, we haven't done this kid any favors. How'd you like that if we baptized your kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, we didn't do this kid any favors, you know? So just kind of think about that. The more you're at it, the more you're at it. What you have to do is you have to just remember when temptation comes, 
to brush it aside. That's this. Yes, please. I think that's brilliant. Don't you think that's true? So these people, that's... Oh, yeah, good. Good, yeah. No, I think that's often true. People who are, and that actually carries over, not just for poor people, but people who have been abused, people who have had bad, bad family situations, any of that kind of stuff, they often have this sense that God is punishing them, right? So it is, in fact, true then. This is a great reason to do merciful things in the church, which is when you go there, this is Luther's thing about we're little Christ to each other. So you go there, and they, they sort of see a glimmer of hope, and then they realize, hey, Maybe there actually is a bigger picture. Maybe God actually does love me. You know, I I completely agree with that. I think it's brilliant, actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's you know that's so. Gosh, that's so. It's so important then for us to be open to that, to be accommodating to that, to treat people. I think I think people just want to be treated normally. I think if you ask Karen, she'd say those people, the people where you are, they just like to have a normal life. They just like to have a little food on the table and maybe a job to go to and maybe not and maybe have a safe place to live and you know people just their aspirations are so minimalistic compared to what we're used to right so if we can provide that i mean that's a great reason to do mercy outside right christmas sharing yeah right it's a great reason to do mercy outside all right let's read the last thing and then we'll let you go um then this is 24 this is just for um I just I just read you. I, I marked Luke 46 to 49 here. Just listen to Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll tell you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid a foundation on rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke, the flood could not shake it because he'd been well built. See this? You build up an interior dwelling, Right? He who hears and does not do them. Now, see, you see how important this is? He who hears and does not do them. For a good Hebrew, you can't separate. So often for us, especially as Lutherans, we separate what we believe. I believe this. I, and it's by faith alone, I believe this. I believe this. That's actually true. But faith, as Luther says, is living in an active thing. So faith can't help but come out your fingertips. Faith can't help but come out your mouth, right? It can't help but do this. Jesus says the same thing. The, the man who hears this and, and doesn't do it is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. He heard it, but he never did it, never did the work, against which the stream broke, and it immediately fell, and the ruin was great. So the stream breaks, it immediately fell, the ruin was great. Now look at this. We must arm ourselves in every way against the demons. You've got to build a good foundation. They're coming at you. You're a target. Okay? They attack us from outside. They stir us up from within. That's just catechism talk. The devil outside, sometimes inside, the world outside, sometimes in time, and our own flesh inside, right? They attack us from outside. They stir us up from within. The soul's like a ship when great waves break over it. And at the same time, it sinks because the hold is too full. we got too much stuff, right? We are just like that. We lose as much by the exterior faults we commit as been the thoughts inside us. So if you're ruined inside or you're ruined outside, you go to the bottom. We must watch for the attacks from people that come to us outside us and repel the interior onslaughts of our own thoughts. So basically, if it comes from the devil, the world, or our flesh, that was the point of drawing this up, not only so you can interrupt it, but so you can see it coming. If this is your trouble, try to stop here. If this is your trouble, try to stop here. I was thinking about worry. Just Worry just doesn't work. You know, Anger just never helps. 
If you're angry, and I know people aren't always rational, but I can just tell you, anger never helps. Worry never works. Why worry? It just doesn't work. You're wasting your time. It never works. Okay, so if you can see it coming, try to interrupt it. If you're trying to control everything, just kind of loosen your grip a little bit. Okay, move on. If you need to manipulate people, frankly, manipulating people often takes a lot of work, although if you're really good, you can get it done in a sentence or two. But, you know, usually it takes a little bit of work to manipulate people. Take the day off. Watch Oprah, okay? You know, do something. Do something else with your time. Make sense? So try to, try to, try to observe this pattern. And if you, um, here's the thing. If you can find somebody who has, you know, let's just take Jeanette again because she's fun to play with. But if you can find, you're not a, let's see now. You're not a big gossiper, so if you get real trouble with your tongue, I know about Jeanette, she's not a big gossiper. So somehow Jeanette's either, this isn't her deal, which could be, that could be one, she's just not given to it, that's good by nature, that's good. Or the other thing is, is once upon a time you were a huge gossip, but you learned how to do this. I don't know which one is true for you, I just know that the end result is good. So here's the thing, if, you, if gossip is your trouble, my suggestion to you is you go find somebody who doesn't gossip and just say, how do you do that? Now, if they say it just comes naturally, you might have to move on. Elvira. She was what? Great. So that's a great way. So how do you interrupt gossip, which is say something nice, right? Just say something nice. So that's one of the ways you interrupt the flow. Exactly. That's perfect. Exactly right. Go. Fantastic. So anyway, just take a look. You know, just try to, you know, go to the Eucharist, say your prayers, try to do your best, get some help. But, but, the, but kind of the theme is go to somebody with some experience. You know, if, you go, if you're going to have somebody fix your car, get somebody who's done it before, right? If you're going to have somebody who's, go, you know, if you're thinking about saying something, go talk to Aunt Elvira, right? <laughs> go talk to Aunt Elvira. She'll help you out with this, you know. Yeah, well, which is enough, enough to be said, you know. And, and take your responsibility to other people seriously. Do, do take your responsibility as, as people come and ask you for help. Okay? Thanks for indulging us. Thanks especially for being kind to us as we were gone the last week. And, and um, I don't think anything, you know, from what I can tell, everything kind of, uh, kind of moved along. Okay? Thanks for taking a look at these things. Continue to ask questions. Continue to talk. I am going to come to you. Um, week from Sunday at Bible study hour 10, 15, we'll walk across and just see stuff. But... Real honestly, if you want to sneak in before then, it's really cool. Either at a work day or just, you know, you can rattle the door over there. Maybe you can't go in because they're working, but, you know, take a look.